see what you did. <laughs> You're no Kevin Porter. No. Oh, I'm going to leave that in. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think the reason why is because you can see the screen. You can just skip to the five minute mark. We're when going you're to editing. This. We're going to have to do that. And you at home can do that too. <laughs> Our mission to explore new ideas, to seek out new thoughts and new opinions, to boldly opine where no millennials have opined before. This is the Next Next Generation Podcast. Make it so. Welcome to the Next Next Generation podcast. I'm Catherine. And I'm Charles. And we're here today for the very first time. This is episodes one and two of season one, Encounter at Farpoint, part one and two. But it really just feels like one big episode. Yeah, one big episode. So what are your overall impressions? First thing I would say is that it was a pretty good episode for Star Trek. Mm-hmm. I was really surprised. I did not really remember it from the first time we watched. No. And it very much felt like Star Trek, The Next Generation, from the beginning, which surprised me. They weren't hiding what the show was going to be like. No, not at all. Mm-hmm. Which I guess that means they succeeded in their mission to... Um, <laughs> mission. <laughs> <laughs> they succeeded in their mission to mm-hmm. establish the characters well. I like that they broke up the crew into two portions you first got to get to know the captain you got to get to know Worf and Troy Troy Mm -hmm. and then later we got to see the other half right oh and and Data oh and Data of Mm -hmm. course yes and then later we got to see like Riker and well they built up Riker a little bit yeah they did we're getting the source officer oh who could he be you know I thought that was cool that they gave him so much mm, fanfare yeah, he was kind of Shatnery when he like first showed up. No beard was kind of strange. Well, that's a little later. That but later. I did note that um, they really portrayed him as a Shatnery character. Right. But made sure to immediately establish that he's smart and paying attention. Yeah. Because he's suspicious about what's going on at that spaceport. And he's he knows what's up. He's like, you know, he knows that the leader of the spaceport is hiding something. And he's not afraid to confront him about it. Yeah, yeah, right I away. I like that. He that. was paying attention, looking around, observing the space. I do like Riker as a character. Yeah. Even though he seems like someone who could annoy me. Mm-hmm. And now I realize watching it again, like, that's partly because they set him up so well at the beginning. Yeah. They didn't make him annoying and then have to fix it. They started strong. He almost has that impulsivity to him. Mm-hmm. But then you know it's tempered by wisdom. Yeah, and smarts. He's not. Yeah, he's not raw and green where he just makes a dumb mistake. Right, I appreciated he that. He has some experience mm-hmm. from being on that the other vessel. And they do show some of the crew ma- members making small mistakes. Yeah. So you know they're not super experienced. Well, small for Yasha, I don't know. Okay, but like, um, Worf, you know, is ready to fire a phaser at their viewing screen. I liked that they started the show. When their mission starts and right. they're not used to working together as a crew yet. Yeah. Some of them kind of know each other, but they don't. They haven't really been there together yet. You can almost feel that between the the actors, they're not used to acting but that, together. That makes it easy for them to act. <laughs> yeah. They're feeling awkward in the moment, and um, it, mm-hmm. it kind of plays better because like, of know, course they are. These new people they're living with and working with twenty four seven. They don't know. They don't know at all. They don't know each other's abilities and how much they can count on each other. So they did start where they're all new. Mm-hmm. And we're new to the mission, just like they're new to the mission right. as viewers. 
but they got right into the normal Star Trek stuff. Yeah. So it was kind of like getting dumped into it in the middle, but kind of not at the same time. Right. I thought that was a nice balance. That was nice. Why don't we start from the beginning of our notes? And... Well, that was the beginning of my notes. Oh, <laughs> look at you, segue <laughs> yeah, master. That was the very first thing. Good job. That I noted, look that I you. liked that he was like, this is my new ship. Okay, let's jump in and meet these people just like I am now. Right. Yeah. Okay. Data was hilarious from the beginning. Oh. He's my favorite. Yeah. That's yeah. undeniably he's true. He's so cute when he started defining stuff. But he doesn't know every word. <laughs> no. He doesn't have infinite space in his database. Not infinite, no. So he has things that he knows too well, and then he doesn't know something like the word snoop. Snoop. <laughs> and he lists, like, I think a lot of synonyms, synonyms for Synonyms for, once he figures it out, yeah. yeah. Yeah, you see him integrating it into his memory. Yeah. Next thing, I could not believe it when Q showed up in the first five minutes. In the first episode. I had no idea. It's Q. You probably were thinking when you first watched this, Q's going to be like every third episode or something. Right. And he's not. Yeah. No, no. It takes Um, him a while to get back. Yeah. I don't remember I don't remember. Obviously, I don't remember a lot. Doing this no, podcast, it's going to be great. So I just go through Star If Trek you again. had described this episode to me, and I know I said this when we watched it. Right. Uh, I never would have thought it was the very first episode. No. No. No, it, it really feels like you're in the middle of season one or season They already three. understood what kind of stories they wanted to write. Definitely. Um, Definitely a different feel from the, the first. Right. That's first more um, episodic. Yeah. And more random in some way slightly yeah this yeah. had a nice kind of sweeping arc feel to it mm-hmm. it was really funny when he showed up as a ship captain mm-hmm. you know showing that he's probably so old that 800 years is just meaningless to him right in human time span right, right. uh i thought he killed that guy he froze but they saved him oh yeah that's fine that that was a, a harrowing moment yeah i do have a note deanna full of wisdom sarcastic <laughs> because she described Q as being very advanced or very different, and I thought that was pretty bad analysis. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he he wasn't really that different from from them as much as he wanted to insinuate that in the whole episode. Like humans are evil and corrupt, and here he is a a very intelligent being, and he's just messing with them, and he's putting them in these difficult situations, make these really hard decisions. If you're such an advanced alien that way and such intelligence and lifespan well he's just a trickster yeah he's messing with them and, and looking down on them like there's like ants or little children or something like that um i really enjoyed how they set up picard's character yes they showed right away he doesn't hesitate he just jumps into action yeah, immediately he, he he really strives to take command Throughout the episode and everything he just does it. He doesn't strive at all. That's like what's so great. (laughs) Maybe it's it is effortless on his part. My my choice of the word strive though is because like there's that really great scene where he talks between him and Riker, where he says he really wants to put on what was the quote an air of geniality. Oh, I have that written down. You're to see. I project an image of geniality image. while he's glowering. While he's glowering, yes. So, <laughs> when Picard first meets Riker, he immediately puts him to work, tries to really show the power structure. I'm in charge, mm-hmm. and you're going to follow my orders. He even questions him on his record mm-hmm. about how he reacted to the last ship captain going 
down um, on planet. He has him dock the saucer module to the main part of the ship where the engines are. Mm-hmm. What do they call that? Battle bridge is what they're Yeah, the battle from. bridge, I think. They were a lot more clear on the name of the saucer yeah. than the name of the battle bridge. Yeah. I really liked that um, sequence. That was really cool. It was very tense. And uh, it was neat to see him take command. I guess in that way, it showed Riker as someone who was very competent. Mm-hmm. But I think Picard recognized he needed to establish the correct power dynamic between them immediately. And also Riker in front of the crew. Riker's mm-hmm. now our first in command. Oh, it lets him show himself as extremely competent. Because you can tell by their facial expressions, they're like, not sure it's going to work. No. <laughs> I think even Data even questions him. He does. About yeah. it. Are you sure you want to do this? Mm-hmm. And uh, he's like, I was commanded to. Smile, mm-hmm. grimace. Um, I also liked that after they had their whole adventure with Q. Yeah. And Riker first came to the Enterprise. Mm-hmm. Well, Picard is kind of distant and Riker's like, what's going on? But I like that instead of explaining what happened, he just let him watch the footage right. and form his own opinion. Yeah. Instead of trying to um, explain to him and then be like, oh, and watch the footage. He didn't dictate the perspective. Right. He let Riker have his own opinion and see it for himself. Right. And then was like, okay, now go do this really hard thing and make yourself look good. Right. <laughs> and you're not sure if I hate you or not. Right. Like, right. <laughs> Yeah, that that was something. Mm-hmm. That was something. While they definitely established the chain of command, he did let Riker right away speak freely, speak candidly, and he answered always or something to that effect. Mm-hmm. Um, and that he really wants honesty mm-hmm. from the people he's working with and respects that their opinions are important. Well, they go through all that. Yeah. And he says the thing about projecting an image of geniality. Right. Shows a little vulnerability mm-hmm. there. And then they seem like, as soon as they go through that, they seem like they're on much better terms and kind of understand right. the role they each have in their new partnership, working partnership. Yeah. Yeah. It'd be interesting to see how that changes and that emerges over time in the later episodes. Well, we have seen the other episodes, like we way back watched the whole thing in yeah. a row and kind of, you know, binged it like you do. Because like, Riker has amazing respect for Picard. Yeah, like eventually. He, to the point where he turns down other assignments because... Oh, that's right. He, that. he would rather stay on an exciting mission, like the mission the Enterprise has, working with someone like Jean-Luc Picard, yeah. than have some dinky ship of his own. Right. <laughs> <laughs> dinky is a good word. Dinky, yeah. yeah. Well, everything is dinky compared to the Enterprise. That's so cool. Yeah. All right. What's the next thing on the list? Um. So Q takes him to the past slash the future. Right. It's pretty bleak. It's mm. a whole 80s drug and juice. Yeah. As long as they're on drugs, because this was made in the 80s. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> definitely. I mean, I kind of liked it. They had that little device that they just took a sniff from. And he's upset. <laughs> I mean, it's whatever. And you, so you yeah. want that in your no, life? No, I don't want that. I'm okay. just saying I did think it was well presented. Oh, yeah. It, mm. the, it's uh, part of the uniform. They were wearing, like, I don't know, sleeping bags or something on their heads, you know? They, got, they did costume design. For the soldiers? For the soldiers, yeah. yeah it was, like, padded like, chain mail. Oh, is that what that was? That's what it looked like to me. Kind of um, I think a medieval feel. Uh-huh. Where all the costumes of the all audience. Of the they had regressed. Yeah. And then the soldiers, though, had they had that kind of stuffy look. That was, that was strange. It was cool to see them establish the Star Trek view of the past slash our future. Right. From the very beginning while incorporating it into the story. Instead yeah. of just having it be like a dry history lesson. Yeah. It worked well. Yeah. You can see where they've been mm-hmm. and where they've come. And their change of perspective or their ideals presented clearly. 
trying to be better than the past and better than violence and that sort of that sort of projection. Mm-hmm. But are they really better than that? We shall find out. Mm. I liked seeing in the trial scene Picard leading from the front. Yeah, like he sits in the front protectively mm-hmm. and doesn't let when Yar when she goes out and hits that guy and then he gets killed yeah. because of it. She's an idiot. Mm-hmm. Um, he kind of Picard kind of reaches his arm out and gets her to like come back behind him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She is an idiot. I she's an I idiot. was surprised how I forgot how bad she, she was. resorts to <laughs> violence immediately as a security officer too. Like you think they should have training for that sort of thing? You would think in their advanced society, security mm-hmm. would mean security. Like violence is the last resort. Yeah, it's, a, it's only good security if nothing bad happens. Right. I don't know. That makes sense. She's a bit of a temper. Very much so. It does It does make you wonder how she got to that position. Uh, indeed. Mm-hmm. Is that just sloppy writing or is it... I think it's sloppy writing. Sloppy writing, mm-hmm. okay. That's a yeah. low point of the episode for me, I think. That that sequence is fantastic. She I'm, acts very childish. I actually really liked the way, um, from in the music, how it sort of echoed the pomp and circumstance of like a French king coming into court. They oh, had, yeah. He looked like a Catholic priest uh, bishop or something oh, bishop, like a yeah. higher ranking catholic person yeah with his outfit yeah it red. was cool it was very medieval renaissance definitely flavor definitely and the the music in that section has that same sort of rhythm that would accompany french kings in oh, the past i didn't even notice that yeah it has the the double dotted quarter note and um dun <laughs> da 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 and that that sort of driving um processional really reinforced his the regalia of the moment mm. and i like that music in star trek is great mm-hmm. in general and flexible depending on the yeah situation. definitely uh-huh. they're they're willing to explore a variety of genres the opening the opening like four notes i get tingles mm-hmm. you know that's all it takes four notes and then i'm yay star trek anyhow it did look like a castle too the court where they were yeah um and everyone just standing off to the side does bring to mind like medieval courts. Yeah. Where there's no seating, the king's in session, you know? Right. And then all the people are just standing off to the side. Yeah. That's, that's what it felt like. Then Q allows them to be tested in the present. Yeah. Which is an interesting move. I don't know. I, I wrote down this was a fun scene, but low stakes because they're not going to kill off all the main characters in the first episode. Yeah. <laughs> like, come on. That's but, true. But it was still fun for the history lesson and him letting them be tested in the present. Just okay. that he does believe they can move on from their past. Mm. Yeah, I could see Potentially. that. Potentially. Yeah. So he tries them in the past, but then looks at their the current, current situation. Actions. How far have they come? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which I think Picard suggests. Yeah, it is. It's his idea. Yeah. But Q acquiesces. He does. Merciful, benevolent God. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, I love Q. Oh, Q's the best. <laughs> he really is. He's fun. So much fun. I like how, and I mentioned this to you when we watched it. Yes. I like how the actor portrayed Q. Mm. Yeah. He's chaotic, but he seems like... He's not just unhinged like the Joker is unhinged. He's mm-hmm. like still in control of himself. He just likes chaos. Yeah, he's a very chaotic character. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely driven to a trickstery. I think he mm-hmm. has that kind of Loki. Well, yeah, Loki. <laughs> he's a little Loki like. Very Loki like. I was also a thinking. A little more mature. I was thinking of Shakespeare, <laughs> *A Midsummer Night's Dream*, and Puck. 
Yeah, yeah, okay. It depends on how the actor plays Puck. You're probably thinking of the Stanley Tucci 1996. Well, he plays him with that wisdom and composure. Yeah, he does. Uh, that's similar, yeah. I know yeah. what you mean. Yeah, maybe that's what it is. I'm thinking of Stanley Tucci. Mm-hmm. But it's Stanley Tucci, and, you know, it's always good. Okay, so they go to the planets. Mm-hmm, right? Um, we talked about how Riker's very suspicious. That's Farpoint, right? Farpoint Station. Farpoint Station. Right. He's very suspicious. He's looking around. It's just like gorgeous, lush, perfectly symmetrical spaceport in the middle of a barren planet. Yeah. With it trees. It does make you wonder. Mm. And apples. Yeah, and apples. <laughs> Those darn apples. They, they, they didn't look fake at all. Not at all. They just appeared out of nowhere and were bright red. So they were a weird them. color. They were a strange color. <laughs> I don't know if that's in the remastering or what, but... Maybe they were supposed to be space apples. Space you apples. You know, like, they're kind of like apples, but... So we talked about how Riker is presented well. Yes. Um, although, they do establish right away that he's a bit of a playboy. <laughs> wow, yeah. <laughs> he clearly has the hots for Beverly. Clearly. Uh, I didn't even make notes about Wesley. I don't really want to talk about him at this point. <sighs> well, Beaton. Yeah, Will Wheaton, whatever, but Wesley. Yeah. But, you know, I blame the writing. They made him act like a younger child, for one thing. Yeah. Which he, I did not like. He came off like It was like very he uncomfortable. Was eight. Eight or nine. Look... That one scene where he wants to go onto the bridge mm-hmm. and he keeps popping up every time his mom moves, that seemed very young. Yeah, that was. That um, was that was not. I believe that he would beg. That's fine. Oh yeah, begging. It was just the way they blocked it. Is that what it's called? Yeah, they blocked uh-huh, it. Uh huh. I didn't like it. With her moving around, kind and of him ignoring just being him. like, "Here I am. Here I am. Here I am." Yeah. <sighs> that was not. Okay, we're talking about it. What did I say? Oh wait. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Riker clearly has the hots for Beverly. Oh yeah. Beverly knows it and is not amused. Not amused. And then they establish that Riker and Troy had a relationship before and they still seem like they like each other. Oh, yeah. There was definitely some... Um, she calls him Mzadi, which, ooh. as we don't know yet, is a Betazoid term of endearment. Yes. <laughs> that sequence, he's just standing there and the way they did the lighting, he has this kind of glow to him and then she walks well, she in. Well, he can hear her thinking at him. Yeah. That was, that's pretty intimate. Um, very intimate. Yeah. And then later, she's worried about him getting killed, and he's like, "Woman, I told you what to do." And she's like, "Oh yeah, <laughs> stick that's to the right. mission. You, you're you're my commanding officer." <laughs> yeah, she kind of forgets that for a Never minute. Never mind. She's like, I always feel like she's slightly outside of the hierarchy. Yeah. Especially later, like in this episode, she actually was wearing a uniform, mm-hmm. although it's a stupid mini skirt and everyone else is wearing pants. Boo. But later on, you know, she's usually wearing the pajamas. Pajamas, the sultan's pajamas. Pajamas, sexy pajamas. Yeah. (laughs) My point was that makes her feel even further out of the hierarchy of the ship. Right. She's not a normal officer. No. Let's talk about this for a second. You mentioned her wisdom. Well, I just saw that honest trailers for TNG, and they talk about like Troy, who can sense everything. Until she can't. Oh, right. And it's a smash cut of all the times where she's like, I'm not getting anything. I don't know. I can't tell. And that was exactly what was going on here. Yeah. She's like, I feel pain, but I have no idea where it's coming from or anything else. Well, she's the ship's counselor. She gives people counsel and advice on what to do um, Mm. with interpersonal relationships, right? Right, but they kind of use her as a diplomatic asset. They do. I think that's why she was assigned to the Enterprise, because she's kind of unique. Mm -hmm. And they wanted, um, you know... The best group possible. They probably thought if they encountered civilizations that they couldn't understand or something, that having someone who could sense emotions would help them. 
you know, interpret meaning. Yeah, they're using her stuff. as an ambassador, and right. they're also and using the her as a counselor. I think she's overworked, frankly. Sounds like it. If they're so progressive, they probably have every single person on the ship getting counseling. Yeah, you would think <laughs> Plus that. Plus all her other duties, and she's always hanging out on the bridge. Like, I don't know how she has time for all that. <laughs> I don't either. Actually, you know, I don't know how they only have one main doctor either. No. They should have a team of main doctors. They and should. then on their support staff. Yeah, that is uh, almost a holdover from the original series. Where the ship is smaller. Yeah. They don't have the families on the ship in the original, do they? I don't think so. I don't know that for sure, though. Okay. But it doesn't feel like a floating city. Like no. This version does. This feels like a floating city. Like, yeah. there is hundreds and hundreds of people on there. I should look up exactly the number. I'm sure there's a well, date on that. Well, they have everyone bringing their families. Right. Because they probably realize, like, we need to make sure we take care of these people emotionally. Right. For such a long mission. Right. And one thing you can do is bring their families. I mean, it's possible, and I'm having to reach for this, but it's possible that she only serves the officers of the ship and that there is other counselors on board for the general population. Oh, that's true. When, later on when they show her counseling, the, but maybe that's just the only things that are important enough to show, right? Possibly. Hmm. To make have a logical consistency, they must have more doctors than just Beverly. Well, they do, but they're all like under her. Under her, well, yeah. I guess but maybe. They just say that she is the chief, chief medical, medical officer. officer. But they always show her actually doctoring. Right. When in reality, in that position, she'd be doing administrative stuff. She'd be behind <laughs> one of their view screens uh-huh. and be directing things. And only stepping in when it was like the most difficult. Yeah, like Doctor Strange when he kind of comes in and saves the day. Oh, right. Exactly. Yeah. No, that's it. I just thought it was interesting. Oh, um, well, wait. Holodeck? Whoop. Er, stop everything. I love the holodeck, even though it's a death trap, as we find <laughs> out in the future. That is true. It the is holodeck, a... they created it, and it's a little bit beyond what they really understand, I think. Yeah, definitely. They don't show that in this episode, of no. course, but the way it's always taking over and turning into real, yeah, they don't really understand what the holodeck is. I always knew that it was becoming physical, but I never really considered it. Oh, data. it was nice that they slipped that in, yeah. Yeah, Data said something to the effect of... It, it was... transforms matter just like our energizers. Yes. I hadn't really thought about it. I just thought it was a hologram, and I knew it was somewhat physical because Star Trek does that, but I hadn't really thought of what that meant from a scientific perspective, and that was interesting. Well, it explains how they interact in the holodeck. Yeah. Because I think I missed that the first time we watched it. Yeah. Then it made the holodeck seem kind of a plot device more than like... Oh, it's a plot device. Oh, it is, but it's... <laughs> That also explains how it kills them or tries to kill them. Oh, right. Because, I mean, that means that it is real bullets and stuff, for example, when they go in the past. Yeah, that's surprising that they mm-hmm. would have, like, violent versions of it. Yeah. yeah. They could have made it, like, nature scenes only with no, like, sentient beings. So, like, the our um, screensavers on our computers. Exactly. Yeah. But they're, it's 3D. Yeah. And interactive. That's cool. Just like it is in this episode. Yeah, where mm-hmm. it's just they're in a forest and it looked kind of like Earth and... That sort of thing. Not because it was. No, no, we don't talk about that. No, because no. you know was, Star Trek it, never is we on were Earth. On the Enterprise the whole time. No, totally. Never left. Never left. I did note that Picard is a great balance of gravitas and enthusiasm. Oh yeah. So he has that commanding air, but he also like is really excited to go on this mission. Yeah. And that's nice in a commanding officer. That is nice. It's it's inspirational for the crew. I think like they feel like they're in good hands, but he's also not taking away their joy. Do you think he actually does project the geniality he was hoping for? Just... No. No, probably not. <laughs> I don't think so. Yeah, I know. <laughs> well, as soon as I said it, I was like, well, maybe That was not. cute that he set that up, though, that he's awkward around kids because he is. Oh. They, they bear that out. So awkward. Yeah. That was one 
hey, that was one good thing about having Wesley around, so they could even show that better. He's almost too old for that whole idea, though. Oh, I Because Picard so. could easily treat him like an adult and just pretend he's not even a kid. Which I think in a real-life situation, I think adults who aren't great with kids would probably fall back into more readily than mm-hmm. becoming irritable. Yeah, I agree. And Wesley's definitely old enough for that to be appropriate. Yeah. He's like, what, 14 or 15? Yeah, I think they do develop that, though, in, in future episodes. Where he does start treating him just like an adult and mm-hmm. assigns him. It works better. Yeah, it works a lot better. What is next on their list? That was all I wrote. Okay. Um, The rest of it was kind of the plot climax and wrap-up. Okay. I figure out what's going on in Farpoint and how many notes because it was just like, yeah, okay. yeah, plot, plot's good, yeah, yeah. The um, <laughs> giant jellyfish emerge. Space jellyfish. Space jellyfish. Uh, <laughs> the one was trying to get its mate back. I think it's a typical story arc in Star Trek. Yeah. They use that a lot where it's always something is just misunderstood. That's a common theme. Not enough information, which is why there's the conflict. A mm-hmm. lack of information or a lack of ability to communicate. Is the underpinning of conflict. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Communication is a big role in this season of Star Trek, I would say. I think in all of Star Trek. Well, the next generation. All of next generation is what mm-hmm. I mean. Yeah. Everything can be solved with better understanding. Mm-hmm. Diplomacy. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. Which I think sets it apart mm-hmm. from the original series. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I was just going to say, I like that the aliens in this episode. Yes were really epic things like Q and the giant space jellyfish instead of just like people wearing suits like creature feature stuff yeah i thought that was fun yeah that they went epic the size of it was great grander scale definitely Mm -hmm. i think that sets a nice tone for the Mm -hmm. for the for the series as a whole you see cool things you don't fully understand right it's not some like I don't know. A lot of the creatures in the original are like uh, maybe like monkey levels of intelligence, that kind of thing. Yeah, they're a little bit. That's a little boring. Less intelligent than humans. Yeah, the, the aliens in this are supposed to be more intelligent, I think. Definitely. Or at least more capable in different ways. Mm-hmm. So, they they strive to cool. make it more um, equitable that mm-hmm. way. More of a challenge. And it really highlights that they're going into deep space. People mm-hmm. haven't been there before, and there's some crazy things that they just don't know anything about and don't fully understand. Yeah. But it's still something they can appreciate and learn from mm-hmm. they they definitely seem to be going farther mm-hmm. i don't know if they're actually going farther but it, they seem to be setting it up that way i think they are going farther because their ships have more capabilities okay it would only stand a reason that they've expanded since um the original series they're going faster as well like yeah they are warp 9.5 right. or 6 in the original series they just go warp right I don't how many I don't know how many warps they have. Yeah, they don't up to. go in warp nine point six. No, I don't think so. It's really fast. Very. They went a long way when they were trying to run away from Q. They did <laughs> quite the distance covered. Yeah, and then they ended up right back where they started. Right, bumped them back in time. Oh yeah, and they did pay tribute to that by having the saucer not show up again for a long time. Yeah, it was a. <laughs> it's like hours. Yeah, <laughs> or maybe a day. I'm not sure. It was a while. It, was a it while. wasn't like ten minutes later it showed up. Yeah. So, any final thoughts about this episode? No, I just came up with the alien thing, and I'm really proud of myself <laughs> for making an insight while we're recording. Yay! <laughs> well, we didn't talk about the cameo of Bones as an admiral. Oh, Wait, right. Wait, it was Bones, right? Yeah, it was Bones. Yeah, okay. I, I did note last night that I liked that they had the shoulder patches on his old man sweater. <laughs> I thought that was <laughs> funny, old man funny costuming. Yeah, that was good. <laughs> I didn't know if that was necessary, but I realized they wanted to link it to the original series. Yeah, they're trying to make it like a nice handoff mm-hmm. moment. 
and all that. So well established the characters in this episode. It well established the type of stories they were going to tell. New commander they were having. Mm -hmm. The way in which the characters were going to have future drama with the um, love interest between Riker and Troy. Mm -hmm. Um, They set up the annoyance of Wesley. Um, The uh... arrogance and the um, brashness of Yar. They did a lot of things in this episode. And that Beverly and Picard know each other. Oh, yeah. They might have something, maybe. Maybe. Um, a little bit a little bit something there. One person they didn't do much for was Worf. But <gasps> yeah. He, he gets his due. Oh, yeah, he does. Oh, they set up Data. Did you say that? Oh, no, I didn't say Data. They but... did a lot with Data. But Data is Data. To so. explain him. Mm-hmm. We should do our Data of the Day. Oh, yeah, Data of the Day. Go ahead. Okay. I am an android. Yes. Yeah. Instance number one. Number one. <laughs> Woohoo. Data has to explain himself a lot. He does do a lot of explaining. <laughs> Poor Data. He is a um, great vehicle for exposition. Yeah. He way. has infinite patience, though, so it's fine. Yeah. So should we rate the episode? Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. You What's your go? rating? Mm. What's your, tell us your overall take and your rating. So the overall take is that it was a good start to this exciting new series. I really liked a lot of the things that I've mentioned already. I would say there wasn't without flaws. There were definitely a few pacing moments. There was just a few awkward lines and <laughs> bad decisions on certain members' parts. And So I would say um, probably I would give it like a 7 out of 10 giant space jellyfish. Okay. Um, I agree with everything you said mm-hmm. for the most part. Yeah. No, I do. Yeah, I agree. Okay. I would add there was some awkward moments where it was just reaction shots of the crew mm. and i was like okay like you could have edited this out or shortened it at least yeah yar i don't like her that's not necessarily a flaw of the show though i was very impressed with how much they covered in this two-parter they covered a they lot they thoroughly set up everything like you said mm-hmm. without feeling clunky yeah because the they got the plot started while doing the exposition yeah. And they even worked it into the ex- or the plot. So for my rating, I would give it six and a half out of ten disturbingly colored apples. Sounds good. And uh, so I think we're happy overall. Yeah. Ready to tackle the next episode. Let's do it. And uh, we'll be back soon. Thanks for listening. To the next Next Generation podcast. Follow us on Twitter. Add us at the next next gen.